Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Holy Father, once again we come before You and thank You for Your Word. Pray that You would bless us as we uh, continue studying it and help us to rightly divide the Word of Truth so that all the glory, the honor, and the praise would redound to Your honor and glory. Without You, we can do nothing. And unless You bless the words to the hearts and souls of all who hear, it will be just so many words. We look forward to the coming of the Lord when we shall bask in Your presence in that eternal glory. May that day be soon. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Coming back to 1 John chapter 3, looking at verse, in particular, verse 17. We noted this morning from mainly verses 14 and 15, or 15 and 16, that whosoever is a murderer, uh, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And then hereby perceive or know we uh, the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. And we stated that if we really love God, then we will lay down our life for any child of grace. Not just one that we like or one that is kindly close to us or maybe one that's in the family or something of that nature, but it's laying down our lives for all the brethren. And we would say, well, I don't know whether I would do that or not. And obviously we don't know unless we're faced with it. But then God draws the... uh, draws the, the curtain a little closer and shows that uh, if we really love, then verse 17, whosoever hath this world's goods, good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, if we're not willing to give this world's goods to another brother, then we can't say that we would lay down our life for them. 
And we pointed out this morning, and since we're looking at this verse, I want us to uh, go back and uh, bring these points in for the context of the verse. The word hath is in the Greek language or it be present active subjunctive, which it indicates here that somebody who continually or habitually has this world's goods. And what we mainly mean by that is food, clothing, and shelter. In other words, somebody that has enough bank account, enough food in the pantry, or clothes that they could share, or, uh, you know, maybe you might even have to shelter someone for a while. But it's not talking about somebody that is poor, and maybe uh, somebody comes along and gives them some money, and the money that's given to them, uh, about all they can do is just pay off the debt that they have. Uh, they really don't have enough to uh, go out and help somebody else. It's not talking about something like that, but it's talking about somebody who, on a, a habitual way, has this world's goods. And we said that in this country, that's most of us. Some have a little more than others, but uh, uh, we all pretty much have uh, more clothes than we can wear. Uh, I'm one of those that <laughs> I've got some clothes that I haven't been able to put on for 10 years. And I keep thinking, well, maybe someday I'll lose enough weight that I can put them on again. <laughs> Most likely I won't, but anyway, that. Uh, that's me. Uh, uh, so uh, I've got clothes that I could give away and probably ought to. I keep thinking from time to time I need to go through and, and weed out a lot of these. I remember several years ago seeing someone that said, if you have more than four changes of clothes, you have too many. And that most people about all they wear is the, about the same thing over and over and over and over again. And uh, that's just about <laughs> that's just about true. Uh, out of all the shirts and, and pants that I have and things of that nature, I can find myself, whether it's uh, summer or whether it's winter, using, usually wearing the same three or four shirts uh, all season long. But anyway... It's talking about people that that have uh, to give, and I made I went ahead and made the application uh, of spiritual blessings. That if you have if you if there's something that you can do spiritually to help a brother that's down and out or something, and we're not willing to go and and uh, to lend a, a hand and not just say, "Well, God bless you," I'm praying for you, but to do something for them, then how can we say 
that we have the love of God. But that's what it is. This word hath means somebody that habitually is in possession of this world's goods. And we saw that this word goods, we saw that as it's used throughout the New Testament, uh, it basically has to do with just one's living. And you remember the the woman that put in the two mites that she put, put in all her living. That was her world's goods. So that that's what we see with hath and goods here. Seeth. The word seeth here uh, is also a continuous action. It's not the normal word for see. Uh, it's not the word in First John that's translated Ido for know that it's also translated see. <clears throat> but this is the word that has the idea of continuous action. That is, this person deliberately contemplates over a protracted space of time. It's not that you're just giving glance at somebody, but it's that you're watching them and keeping an eye on them. Most of you know or know of uh, Brother Tony Machiavelli. And on his deathbed, uh, he told Brother Zach, who was his pastor, about a certain brother that's in the congregation there where... uh, where their membership is, resides. Certain brother at Grace Chapel, in other words. And Brother Tony reminded Brother Zach, he said, you keep an eye on Brother so-and-so. He always is going to be one of those that's going to need stuff from time to time. In other words, Brother Tony had been watching over this brother. Brother Tony uh, had come to the aid of this brother from time to time. I know that because I used to pastor there with Brother Zach and when Brother Tony was still alive. And so I know uh, knew Brother Tony, knew kind of how he operated. I know the brother that he was talking about. So don't ask me, I won't tell you. <laughs> but but that's, that's the point. He had been watching over him and knowing this brother's need and that this brother, this particular brother, from time to time is going to be in need of this world's good. That's the idea. It's not that you just kind of look at somebody, but you've got your eye on them. 
and you're constantly watching over the poor, as it were. It is seeing a Christian in need of the necessities of life over a long period of time. This is the idea. This is not talking about welfare charity of the government. This is not talking about uh, feeding somebody who will not work. If he doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Second Thessalonians 3 tells us that. But it's talking about a brother that is in need. He's a poor brother and he needs stuff from time to time. And if we're not willing to give, then we can't say that we love them. And if we can't say that we love them, we can't say we laid down our life for them. Now think about that. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 5? Let me turn there for just a moment. Romans 5, 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Somebody might occasionally die for a righteous man. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Now, no matter whether it's right or wrong, if he's a good man, then somebody might be more inclined to die for him. But then it goes on and talks about how that God commended His love for us while we were yet sinners. But you know, there's very few people that's willing to die for another. I mean, even if he's right, depending on popular opinion, they would not necessarily die for them. If he's a good man and he's done some good for you and done some good to you and things of that nature, then you might die for him, might more be more inclined to die for him. But Christian love raises the bar to the higher standard. You die for your brother. You die for your brother. This world's need. Whosoever, uh, I mean, Whosoever hath this world's good, seeth his brother have need. Need. Let's look at this word need in a few places. I've got 
Uh, well, I won't look at every one that I've got listed. It's used 49 times. Uh, I've got about 15 or 20. I kept looking these things up, and they just kept... Uh, all of them are good, but uh, let me let me give some. I went back through them. I went back through my list and underlined a few of them to make sure that I didn't leave them out. Acts chapter two. Talking about the those that were. Baptized about 3,000. And then verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods. And parted them to all men as every man had need. Not want. Not build up a surplus, but had need. Had need. Acts chapter 4. Verse 35. And laid them down. Well, let's go back to verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to every man according as he had need. Now, we do not know whether they sold everything or everyone sold everything. But they sold at least some of their property or sold some of their land or some of their houses How many people in your Christian life do you know that sold part of their possessions to give to brothers or saints, fellow saints? I have been a recipient of one brother uh, for land. I have been a recipient of vehicles. I have had people to give to me. That's indicative of the fact that they're willing to give of themselves for the cause of Christ. I, uh, I, I know of one individual upon one occasion 
that actually borrowed money to help uh, expand a parsonage at one place. I've been privileged to know some people that have given of themselves and gone to great expense, sometimes uh, more than others, but it's rare. It's not a common everyday thing. The early saints, notice what it says here. Neither was there any among them that lacked. This is not communism. This is not everybody having equal distribution. It was people receiving what they needed. What they needed. He goes on and talks about Barnabas who had a piece of land, sold it. It didn't say Barnabas sold all of his property. He had this piece of land, he sold it, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet to help for those that were in need. Of course, we know the story following of Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of property. and They indicated that they gave all the money. They didn't have to do that. Uh, they lied to the congregation. They lied to the Lord. They lied to the Holy Ghost. Read the context there and uh, the whole situation there in Acts 5 and you'll see that. In Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, well, I thought it was in verse 3. Anyway, these men were over the business of providing for the needs. The needs. Romans 12 and 3. No, Romans 12, 13. Distribution to the necessity of saints. Notice, to the necessity of saints. To the needs of the saints. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 28.
Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You give to those who are in need, not who are in want. And then even in verse 29 of Roman, Ephesians 4, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use. That's that word need of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Philippians 2. Verse 25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger that he may minister to my wants. There's the word need. Is that word the one that Epaphroditus was ministering to everything that Paul wanted? but it's talking about to his needs. Well, I put another verse of Scripture down, but I don't know where it goes. Uh... Chapter 4 and verse 19. No, it, it, chapter 4 and verse 16. This is, uh, that's where it is. For even in Thessalonica you sent once again to my necessity. And then in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And then one more, Titus 3.14 Let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary, that's needs, uses, that they be not unfruitful. So what Paul, what John is talking about in his epistle is talking about ministering to brethren, but it's only ministering to what they need, the necessities of this world's good. You take of your world's goods and minister to the necessity of those that are in need. That, like I said, uh, this is where the, it hits the pocketbook, but it goes beyond the pocketbook. It goes to anything that is needful. And it's provided that you have it to give. This congregation has been a very generous congregation over the years. But the past few years, uh, 
we have been limited in our resources and we're not able to give as much. Occasionally, we, we still can do something. But in order to uh, take care of what we need to take care of, then uh, thankfully God has supplied all of our need. And we not only have everything we need, like I said, we have a little extra. Sometimes we can still give. But I'm thankful that when I was laid up in the rehab and the hospital, uh, some of the other brethren and congregations knew that we couldn't afford to uh, give to preachers coming every Sunday, and so they came at their own expense. To me, uh, you dear saints out there in the pew, I thank God... Uh, uh, loved y'all enough that he wanted to make sure that y'all were still fed even though I couldn't feed you. And that was a great blessing to me. We need to go ahead in verse 17. Uh, this world's goods seeth his brother have need. And then we come to this word shutteth up his bowels of compassion, but shutteth up. It's, that, it's the idea of just shutting the door. Shutting the door not going to be doing anything. It might even be used as just slamming the door. It's used 17 times, but I want to look at two or three. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. That's the, that's the idea of this word, shutteth up your bowels of compassion. And you just say, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to shut the door. Y'all have heard me give this, uh, tell this story before. I'll tell it again because uh, it may be someone out there in the internet may hear this message, may not hear any of the other messages that I've told it so many times over the years. But we, uh, when I was at Grace Chapel uh, one Sunday night, uh, we had a young man there that thought he was called to preach. And anyway, we let him preach and uh, let him give a lesson, I should say, maybe better. 
And he, he taught an excellent message on Christian love. And I think he even used 1 John as part of his text. But when the services were over with, Brother Tony Machiavello again <laughs> uh, made an announcement to the congregation that he wanted to see the men in the kitchen after services. And so we men got back there and what it was, there was a brother in the congregation there that was in need. <laughs> As Brother Tony was uh, always good to uh, keep his eye out on people like that. And so, but anyway, uh, and he th thought maybe we men could just dig into our pockets and uh, come up with the money that this brother might need and not have to dip into the uh, congregation's treasure. I think maybe we might have been a little low on funds at that time or something. And we did. But this young man that gave an excellent lesson on Christian love said, well, I'm not going to give anything. He got himself into that mess. He can get himself out. What do you think everybody thought about his message on love? We didn't care for it. He eventually left because the congregation wouldn't do like he wanted things to be done. But what did he do? He slammed the door on his bowels of compassion. He shut the door. He shut the door. Let's look at a couple of more places. Matthew 23, verse 13. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven. There it is. Shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer them that are entering to go in. Beloved, let us make sure that we do not shut up our bowels of compassion. And then this word bowels of compassion, just the very depth of our affection. The word for bowels here uh, comes from the Greek word where our word spleen, our body part, the spleen. Deep inward affection, in other words. And then he says, How dwelleth, 
How is it that the love of God dwells in a person that shuts up their bowels of compassion from, from another brother that is in need? In other words, he doesn't have the love of God in him. And if we're not willing, I'll say it again, if we're not willing, no, if we don't give, for one that's in need, when we have it to give, then we do not have the love of God in us. And we can't say we'd die for our brethren. The reason I went back and changed my wording, I said if we're not willing. A lot of people say, well, I, I would if I had it, or I will, you know. They say, I sure would like to, but no, it's not that. It's not if not just willing to do it, it's doing it. Particularly if we have it. I remember a preacher some years ago telling me about another preacher that was going and preaching and it was on very hard times and someone came up to him that Said, well, brother, that sure was a good message. If I had a hundred dollars, I'd give it to you. The preacher said, How about starting with five? <laughs> you know, people are willing to give away what they don't have, but they're not willing to give what they do have. And the preacher knew this situation, really made that statement that but you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'd give so-and-so if I had it. Well, listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. Verse, chapter 9. Well, I think well, that's talking about giving what I'm looking for, but maybe it's in first Corinthians what I'm looking for. There's one place in one of the Corinthians. I can't put my eye on it right now where Paul said it is accepted if a person gives of what he has, not what he doesn't have. Well, I'm not able to. Well, anyway, obviously you can't give what you don't have. 
But if you have it and can give it and don't give it, how dwelleth the love of God in you? We know that we have passed from death unto life if we love the brethren. How do we know we love the brethren? We lay down our life for them. Well, how do I know I'll lay down my life for them? Well, if I have what's needed and I don't give it, and I shut up my bowels of compassion from them, I won't lay down my life for them, nor will, nor do I love them. It's all just words. You see, verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word. I love you. you. Neither in tongue. You talk a good game. But in deed. And in truth. If we truly love, we give when there's a need, and we give indeed. Love will continue to abide and remain in us then. Like what Kenneth Weiss said, love must be practical. It is easy to lay down one's life, that is, martyrdom is heroic and exhilarating. The difficulty lies in doing the little things, facing day by day the petty sacrifices and self-denials which no one notices and no one applauds. You know, the liberals like to give away a lot, but they want everybody to know it. If they really wanted to give away, and to do it right, they would do it in such a way that their right hand wouldn't know what their left hand is doing. Nor would they have evening news to broadcast it. Our love must be in action, not talk. You know the old saying, don't you? Actions speak what? Louder than words. I like what Brother Leroy said sometimes, talked about an old sister that he knew, said, uh, and I, I, think, I think there was an old sister uh, that I knew, uh, baptized in her 80s, uh, Sister Hayes. Uh, and my, I may have two or three things mixed up together here, but said, your feet talk so loud I can't hear a word you're saying. And I think the other brother Leroy was saying that uh, it's not how loud you shout or how high you jump, but it's how you walk when your feet hit the ground. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed. And in truth. You know what that word deed is? Ergon. Well, that don't mean anything. No, it doesn't. But that's where we get our English word energy. Ergon. 
energy, work. Let us not love in tongue. Not in word, but in deed, in energy. Then it'll be in truth. Well, we'll stop there, but I think that pretty well nails down what Christian love is. What Christian love is. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, help us to do genuinely help where there's a need. I thank you for widows that I know women that I know, women of this congregation, that are givers, doers, and not just talkers. And others that I've known over the years, Even the man that I mentioned this morning can't remember his name, but I can still see his face, as it were, and his form as he was a giver, and how he would drink in the gospel as it was being preached. And others that I have had the blessing of knowing over the years. I even thank you, Father, for some that I've read about in their biographies. People that are dead and their lives still speak. People behind the scenes. People that did not blow their own horns. True Christians. Thank you, Father, for such testimonies Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.